Gordon Monson and Austin Horton here with you. Uh, your Utah Jazz have won three straight. They uh, defeated the Spurs again last night, 126-94, uh, holding the Spurs under 100 points in back-to-back games. And then, of course, that tough, gritty win against the Raptors on Saturday. They've got the Nuggets tomorrow. And Gordon, joining us now to uh, talk about all things Utah Jazz is our good friend, Tim Lacombe. Tim, welcome back to the show. And I have to start right here. Gordon all the time says, you know, I saw Tim Lacombe like to tweet, and it, but I couldn't find it anymore. And I, and I roll my eyes and go, well, it's Tim, stop liking tweets. So then I have to go look at your timeline. But then last night, I see this tweet from you at David Locke, Coke or Pepsi, and I'm so lost. What was that all about? And is that even really a question? Well, it's, it's a, no, it's not a question. Yeah. Uh, but the game was out of hand, and uh, he was fielding <laughs> questions on Twitter. Oh, I see. So they were basketball questions, but I just thought maybe he'd get to mine. It's been a while since I was chosen uh, out of a group to share stuff. So, yeah. I'm sure it's not that he's not choosing you on purpose. I, I'm sure it's – no, I'm sure that's Oh, no, I, I'm sure he looked at it and said that has nothing to do with anything. Uh, but that's Tim and, and then moves on. Do you know anyone, Gordon, that likes Pepsi instead of Coke? Oh, yeah. You do? Uh-huh. Have you cut them out of your life? <laughs> no, no. What do I care? Heretics. Uh, no, let people do what they want to do. Pepsi? You see, that's what I like about Tim. He's accepting. He's open-minded. He doesn't worry about that sort of. He's, you don't worry about those kinds of answers, do you? You just, you just like the discussion. <laughs> well, ultimately, you know, all that matters is what I choose. You know, that's the. Yeah, see, you that? know, people can have whatever opinion they want. It's just hey, for me and my house, we got Coke. Yeah, yeah. You you can have a, a good taste in soda and choose Coke, or you can have bad taste and choose Pepsi. That's you're right. No, no. Listen, your to, listen to what Tim's saying here. here, here We've young, gone too long. With listen, this. <laughs> young, and you sit back and learn. Oh, listen and okay. Learn for a second, okay. <laughs> what Tim is saying will save you a lot of heartache. Don't worry about what the other guy likes. Worry about what you like, unless it affects you. <laughs> Word salad. Okay. Tim, let's talk about the Jazz. They, uh, as we mentioned, coming in three straight wins. More importantly, at least we were talking in the first hour, Bogey, Bojan Bogdanovich, and Jordan Clarkson seem to be getting into a better groove of late, especially Bojan. What what is your takeaway there? I I definitely agree, and I think those guys are going to be really pivotal. Um, You know, my observation on Bojan all year long was he's just a – a teeny bit behind based on his injury. And um, I think he's, he's now kind of caught up and he's doing exactly what you want to do at this time. You're, you're kind of heading up, you know, your trajectory's up. His confidence is sky high. He's making great plays on both ends. He's got great activity and energy. And um, so it's nice to see. And then Jordan, I believe Jordan is, is a perfect example of what we were just talking about. Um, you know, when asked, you know, do you stress out about making or missing shots? And, you know, basically the answer was, no, I'm a baller. I'm a hooper. And, you know, I'm going to go out there and do my thing. And some nights they fall and some nights they don't. Um, but I think that that kind of attitude in the playoffs, particularly here, you know, it, it gets really exciting. It gets really tense. But guys get, you know, they feel that. And sometimes that can, that energy can kind of get to a point where it's uh, anxiety and I just don't think Clarkson feels any of that. So 
Um, he's going to kind of be a nice little X factor to watch in the playoffs because I think he's got the right mental makeup to to be an absolute um, you know superstar in the playoffs and and play a huge role. So maybe you just answered my question, Tim. But when you were coaching, which would you prefer? Somebody uh, who's a little more uh, what's the word? Uh, not cautious, but a little more careful about the shots they take. And they might have a confidence issue from time to time versus somebody who just seems to be completely uh, unaware of that stuff and is, like uh, like Jordan said, just a hooper who's just going to shoot and shoot and shoot. Which, which one is easier to adjust? I think, I think they actually are both interestingly difficult um, because – you know, on, on either end, you've really got to throw a lot of work into either reining somebody in or, or, you know, giving them a ton of confidence. I remember bringing guys in that were in a slump, you know, and I would actually go back and just pull a uh, hundred makes from their career and, you know, come back and, and we just watch a, a highlight film of them making baskets, you know. So there's a lot of the work that goes into both sides. Um and, but I think what's interesting to make a team, I think you got to have a little bit of both. Um, you got to have guys that are cautious. You got to have guys that are thinking about, you know, it's, it's no different than than odds. You know, it's it's guys that are going to play it a little closer to the vest, and then you got to have a bunch of guys that are willing to let it let it go. Uh, and if I think if you can find the perfect mix, you've found a great team. And I dare say, if you go back and look at teams throughout history that have been successful, you know, the dichotomy of both sides of that would be pretty interesting to study. Did you guys uh, at BYU ever have a, a player where uh, you told them uh, that they were in trouble if they didn't shoot? If they passed, they were in trouble, kind of like uh, uh, Quinn Snyder admitted to telling Joe Ingles in that ESPN piece by Tim McMahon. Yeah, we wanted our guys to shoot. Um, you know, outwardly, and there were some guys that you kind of hope maybe they'd just make the extra pass every now and again. Um, and those names? Who are those no, names? Oh, okay. I can't remember my. You know, Did it rhyme with Ronathan Ravenari? No. <laughs> oh no 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 that dude. I'm telling you, Tavenari. I'll only say that because he's listening. <laughs> Tavenari was he's he's exactly the Jordan Clarkson. I mean, you did not have to stress out about him having confidence. Um, you know, coach put him on nearly every kind of restriction you could put a guy on. He put him on dribble restriction. Um, he took he he put him on. Uh, talking on the bus restriction because he was so loud. He put him on media restriction because he said stupid stuff in the media. Uh, but the one thing we never put that dude on was shot restriction. Hmm. Wait, and, a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You put players on media restriction? Not at BYU. That would never happen. Well, not not like, you know, like for a day, right? Or, uh, <laughs> But, Jonathan, we, we got to choose two guys typically that we would make available. <laughs> And, you know, strategically, again, like you're going to put the right guy up at the free throw line in a crunch time, you got you got assets you can put in front of that table, you know, are going to say smart stuff. J- so, JT tells the truth too often is the, the problem. Are you suggesting that coaches don't want the truth to be known? I'm not suggesting you, I'm saying Gordon, that's what the You can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so I love asking you this question, Tim, and I've asked it of you from time to time with your trained critical eye. But as you are looking at this jazz team now and, and, and the question, the answers change, I think from time to time, what is 
the thing that is most encouraging for them as a team that they're doing? And then what is the greatest concern? Well, I, I think I'll start with you know, the greatest concern is I think the, the team has had a, a magical type year um, in totally chaotic circumstances. And the, the way they've responded, the way they've managed it, um, the way the coaches have been able to pull the right strings. I mean, I think from the start of the season, the Chaz have really figured out a way in this league to almost transform it. And uh, I love what they're doing. Uh, but that being said, uh, the one thing that, you know, they haven't had a ton of success in the playoffs, and it's this time of year that everybody kind of starts talking about that. And so really I think the only thing that I would put in the caution column on my side is just there is a process you go through in the playoffs. And, um, you know, if you watch the Jordan documentary closely, you know, every step that guy took toward becoming, in my opinion, the greatest player to ever play, um, you know, he, he – met a ton of disappointment and discouragement and that fueled him to take the next step. Um, I, I think the Jazz definitely learned a ton, both from a pragmatic scheme standpoint and also, you know, uh, disappointment of, of letting their guard down in the 3-1 series last year. So this is the year, hopefully there's some, some pay, you know, some paydays and, and you get feeling better. Right? That's the question. I think on the positive side, um, you know, this, this Jazz team, this is no fluke. Um, you're looking, you're talking about the third-rated offense in the NBA, and you're talking about the first offense on, um, in defense in the NBA. So, I mean, you, you can look through a lot of the contenders, and their numbers are, are all over the place, but I think the Jazz have been really consistent at um, doing the right thing offensively, really buying into a system that at times can be lethal for opponents, the way that they attack you. Um, I think the, the second piece of it is, I mean, they are just, they've got a game changer on the defensive side. And, um, you know, to me, it's amazing that the shots that pe- teams don't even take, like you watch film and prep and you're like, Oh, that guy takes this floater and, and, and they play the jazz and they don't get anywhere near Rudy. I mean, if they can help it and you know, when, when they do, as Locke will say, bad things happen in Gobert land. Um, so I just think that that's the encouraging part is there's no part of this that's been a fluke. Um, they are, you know, by the numbers, by the eye test, the way they've progressed individually and as a team throughout the year, the way they've handled adversity. Um, I think all that stuff points to really positive stuff. A general NBA question for you, Tim, and we were losing you just a bit there in that answer with the cell phone, so just to, just to, by way of note. But a general NBA question, there's been a lot talked about and, and uh, heard about lately about this play-in tournament and whether or not it's a good thing, whether or not the players like it or not. You know what LeBron said, and you know what he said last year, that he loved it, and now suddenly when he's staring down the possibly being in it, he's not a big fan of it. What does Tim Lacombe think? What does Tim Lacombe think of the play-in tournament and why? Well, I've actually, you know, my experience of it, watching it and, and watching the, the league closely this year and last year, uh, and, and obviously starting to pay attention about this time of year because college seasons have started started to get over. Um, it, it's interesting that there's actually some. Uh, a, a lot of parrot, or excuse me, a lot of drama in nearly every spot. Um, I, that has not been the case. I think 
in a way, the end of the season has almost been like the end of a blowout game where everything's just kind of like, yeah, who's going to play tonight and who's going to rest tonight. And I feel like it's been a little bit more competitive, which I really like. Um, so, I, I, you know, year one, I'm a fan. And, and obviously the team I watch and and, um, and cover, you know, they, they, they're obviously in a spot where it's, they're, they're fighting for the number one seed, but I think it all the way down to teams that are, are hanging on to that play-in opportunity. I think there's drama along the way, so I think that's good for the game. Tim, is there a team that you think is in the mix for you know the, the eighth position if the Jazz were to finish number one that is most favorable for them? And maybe you would say the Spurs after what you saw last night, but – uh, what, what do you think about the potentiality of a, a first-round uh, situation if the Jazz were number one? So I guess that would be uh, you'd see seven through ten. As so that right now is Portland, Memphis, Golden State, San Antonio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, in order of uh, – obviously, you'd want to play, I think, San Antonio, then Memphis, then probably for me – I'd probably rather play Portland and then Golden State last. I know Golden State's not great, but Curry's just there, – there's certain things. You can guard a guy like crazy, and you can still do super, stupid stuff. And um, I have a ton of respect for Lillard, but I think Curry's just at a, a different place there. So I think that's the way I'd rank it. Is he the best shooter you've ever seen? Without a, quite, without doubt, yeah. Mm. What about- Next to Tavanari. <laughs> JT for three for three JT follow him on Twitter. Uh, what about tomorrow night the the Denver Nuggets? They have at least from what I thought was going to happen when Jamal Murray went down, they have exceeded what I thought they'd be doing without Jamal Murray. What do you make of this matchup? Well, I, it just talked. You know, I, I thought the same thing, Austin. I thought they were really going to be on some rough water, but I think they they've done a good job. They they made a nice acquisition to get Gordon. Um, I think he's been a nice piece for him, and I actually like you know with Murray out, they went and got an, a veteran, signed him to a ten day, and now for the rest of the year, Austin Rivers, who that should uh, cause a lot of heartache because he's been unbelievable against the Jazz this year. Um, a t- the couple times they played, you know, he's been with different teams, but um, I know I, I think that the uh, I think that Denver's got a really good. Scheme. They've got a, a dominant player to play through, and then they've got really good role players. Porter uh, Jr. has really stepped up his game big time, uh, making big shots, really competing. I think the little Compazzo has been a nice addition to their team. He's a, a water bug, kind of a little gnat, you know, does all the little stuff that drives you crazy. But at the end of the night, you look, and he's got 10 assists. So um, what they're doing is, is really impressive with a, a ton of adversity. So it's going to be a it's going to be a, a tough one, um, but I really like where the Jazz heads are right now. I like the way they're playing, and I'm excited to see what their scheme looks like. You know, they can really kind of key on on the Joker and see what uh, what they can get him. You know, to get him in tough situations. Maybe you've talked about this, Tim, but who's your MVP? You know what, man i I'm a, I'm an old school guy. Uh, I, I really do think you got to reward guys that are on the best teams, and uh, I. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's crazy that Gobert's not getting more, or, or Donovan. You know, I think you can see right now by watching the Jazz. You know, if you're talking about valuable player, um, both what Rudy's doing, you know, in the face of a couple guys down, uh, and the consistency you get there. Um, but I understand that he's never going to be the MVP because it's just not how this 
you know, I just don't see Rudy as that. You, you got to be like a, a real scorer, you know, and, and I think that's always been the case. Um, so then you look at Donovan. I mean, I think those guys, I don't, I don't know. At the end of the day, Jokic just had a special year. Um, and I know he's probably one of the guys being talked about. Um, I'm not huge on Embiid. I think he kind of picks and chooses his battles. Um, you know, I think Chris Paul should get some, you know, cause without Chris Paul, I don't know. The Suns are even close to what they're doing. Um, so I'm not one of those that just kind of looks at the candidates, kind of have my own thoughts. And I think, again, the teams that are doing the best should probably have the candidates to get picked. It's more more of like uh, the most dominant offensive player award. It's that's, not really that's the really most what valuable. It's become, yeah, right. True. I mean, and I just think reputation-wise, I think it's hard. And it's that's unfortunate because, um, you know, Rudy is the defensive player of the year. And if they had like – you know, one thing above that in defensive player of the decade, maybe um, he's just had a phenomenal defensive year. And I, I am telling you, man, I, I'm preaching this, but speaking of offense, this dude is getting better right before our eyes. Um, he's making plays right now that he had no, he, he wasn't making earlier in the year. Even. I mean, he got a bounce pass last night, kind of right in the, right at the nail face up to the rim. And then, you know, took two steps with the ball on the move, caught it on his hip, swung it through. I mean, it's just plays he struggled to make, you know, through a defender. And now he's making them look routine. So I just say, you know, maybe he will be a dominant scorer, but I'm telling you, the guy is phenomenal. Doesn't it really bug you, Tim, when you see the Jazz just stumble and bumble around with those 14 turnovers last night? I just didn't. <laughs> no. Gordon, the new rule. The, let's run this by Tim real quick. The new rule is. Whatever the differential, they either have to lose. If they lose, you can t- bring up turnovers. If they win, the only way you are allowed to bring up turnovers is if the differential divided by two is uh, less than the amount of turnovers. And last night, the differential divided by two is 16. Yeah, turnovers, we're, we're, 14. Yeah, we're talking Can't to, talk we're about talking about to a coach here. <laughs> turnovers have to drive him crazy. I'm kidding, really. I mean, they won by Okay, so by, let me put it in perspective, points. Gordo, right? It's everything in perspective, right? Um, the, the Thunder lead the NBA in, in turnovers per game at 15.5 per game. And so that's the most on a nightly basis. Um, the Trailblazers have the least amount of turnovers per night, 10.9. So – you know, everything else is just kind of it's kind of like a sandwich and because Damien doesn't pass. Jelly. <laughs> yeah. So it's just sort of all in there mixed in. <laughs> it's kind of mixed in. And, you know, I, I'm with again, it goes back to cautious versus aggressive. You know, uh, you got to have guys that are going to take chances. And sometimes you take chances and, and you make a mistake. So you got to play through that. You know, so we teach guys. And then there's other guys who are just going to play it closer. And, and so you got to have a little bit of both. And, um, so turnovers don't in, inherently bug me. Majerus used to talk about turnovers of omission and commission, and I think that's that was an interesting thing. He'd be like, you know, I don't mind that one. That was that was a you know you were it was a commission. You were you know. Um, but then he would Sunday say, school, if a guy huh? didn't make a play or traveled or didn't shoot it when he was supposed to and turned it over, then he would say he would get on a guy because that was he wanted guys making aggressive plays. Hmm. He used to tell guys if you get five charges i'll give you the keys to my car you know <laughs> that was a, he never gave the team but that was just a motivational ploy to 
for guys to, to be on attack. What do you think Rick would say, you know, if somebody wanted to bring up the whole point that he uh, ordered a, a extra large pizza as an appetizer? What would, what would Rick say about that? He, you want you probably want me to say it in Rick's voice, I guess. <laughs> Uh, he, he actually, I think he would use the large pizza not as an appetizer, but as a napkin. As that a napkin? Like, <laughs> yeah, he'd just throw that or a bib, you know, <laughs> an eatable bib. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that's fun. Hey, Tim. I've never seen, I've never seen anybody eat like that. I, I, uh, I was too young to really be around for much of the Majerus, uh, uh, I don't know, circus, I guess is a rude word, but uh, the, the stories – but I would like to go back in time and see the man eat a meal. I think it would be a, a Kodak moment. You need two tables. <laughs> right. And you better have like, uh, you better have like a, one of those salad bar shields. Oh, the glass, the plexiglass? Yeah, the yeah. food's going to fly. Right? I'll, I'll leave you with this. Let me leave you with this, Austin. This is, All right. we went to, I went to brunch with him in Austin, Texas. I was not working for him. I was down there. They played UT. Um, the night before, and then I picked him up on a Sunday morning. Team flew home, and he's going to fly home later that day. We went to a buffet. I went and got, you know, through the buffet like you do. You take a plate, you fill it up, you go sit down. And I'm sitting at the table, and Coach comes walking toward me, and he's got four plates stacked up with food on all of them. Wow. Yeah. And, and that was, he just was coming over with four. So, I mean, if you are going to eat with him, you better be prepared to eat. It's it would be it's an athletic event uh, eating with uh, Coach Majerus. Eating, Maybe that could <laughs> the best part about it, right? The best part about it is he took the bacon. He took the bacon and was trying to pull the fat off the bacon before he ate it. <laughs> I got it. Oh, you got to watch. You got to watch those calories. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Tim. We'll hear you on the you, uh, call tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. All right, appreciate it. Tim Lacombe, our uh, Jazz pre-half and post-game uh, show analyst, right here on the Zone Sports Network for Utah Jazz games. Uh, it was a competitive eating competition. It was an eating competition for Coach Rick, but there, he was the only one entered uh, each and every meal. Well, there, uh, you know, that way you win. <laughs> that, that's a good way to make sure you, you win. Know, I was kind of like the Jazz last night with Spurs. You know, there was only going to be one winner. <laughs>